Hello and welcome to another episode of St. George's Rod and Staff, the official podcast of the Church of St. George in Kelsterburg, alongside the chapelries of St. Mark and St. Monica's. I am Lindsay Shooters, your host on this, your continued exploration of faith during this time of crisis. And I'm joined as always by the rector of our parish, the Archdeacon Rodney Whiteman. How are you doing? Hi, Lindsay. Um, yesterday, I had a beautiful view of the snow that is closer to the mountain, closer to a, has, a Hassendal's shopping center. And uh, quite intrigued, and it made my day, and it just lifted up my spirit to see another phenomenon of nature. And this morning in the car, when I was doing the, um, going to the funeral to do the graveside service, uh, the layman has said to me, one day all of these these mountains will be covered with snow, uh, referring to climate change. And I quite imagined what that was doing to my spirit if I lived that long. <laughs> but just seeing the snow made my day and I and I had this passion to want to capture it properly, but I couldn't because of my positioning. So, yeah, um, I've, been ple- I've been pleased to say my spirit was lifted up by looking at that uh, um, climate, climatic phenomena that seldom falls amongst us. Um, and so we're in a good space. Uh, I said to some people, given uh, the death of my brother, that we are slowly taking it forward one step at a time. Um, all the families so far seem to be checked into a good space. But I think the closer we get to the time of the internment of his ashes, there are obviously going to be more signs of deep grieving, which must happen. Yeah. So. Uh, I think uh, a large amount of me still says, is he really gone? Mm-hmm. Um, but as soon as I had to overcome, the, the, as soon as I was dealing with my own grief with him, I had to attach myself now to the grief of others. We've had four funerals in this past week, uh, and, and not COVID-related deaths, but um, seniors in our parish um, we've walked a long way, uh, some as old as 87. I think the youngest was 79. Oh, wow. Uh, so uh, people have walked a long, long distance uh, in this church. And it was a privilege just to be able to sit and listen to the storytelling of their lives and their achievements and yeah. um, just appreciating, um, you know, what they mean to yeah. the parish and to history, if I can put it like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, it was it was um, um, uh, I think just a wonderful um, sense of the celebration of life mm. and the gift of life, you know, and the yeah. commendation of life. So we all good through the grace of God. Thanks, Lindsay, and yourselves. Um, very good. I'm less impressed by the snow. I mean. I have been, I think we joined St. George's in 1988. And that's how long I've been living in Kales River as well, or at least lived in Highbury. And I recall in my younger day that the Stellenbosch Mountains, not the ones behind them, used to be covered in snow. (laughs) Okay, so you could see it from your house, yeah. Yes, and not like the far ones that that you see now, like Franschuk and beyond. Uh, So, and then every time I have tried to take, the last time I tried to take my kids to go see snow, um, all we saw was a little patch in the golf course in Sierras, 
um, after everything else had had melted away. <laughs> so <laughs> I haven't had a good track record with that. Lots no. of lots of frost though, lots of frost, but no yeah. snow per se. One day, one day. Um, yeah, the the COVID situation is getting pretty crazy. We lost a good friend um, in the week, uh, which was more. It hit harder because it was one of my closest friends, best friends. So we met through this person and calling another adult. Like I sometimes forget that I'm I'm closer to 40 than I am to, <laughs> to anything. But phoning another person of your in your peer group of your age to share condolences about another peer's passing is still absolutely bizarre. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, please tell everyone you love that you love them often and, yeah, keep safe during this pandemic and get vaccinated and try your best to, yeah, do your part because it is really a lottery. I, I've just been reflecting on the the survivor's guilt actually that 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 I have that someone labeled on social media and I didn't actually know that I felt that but you ask yourself like why what makes me special you know I was in hospital I was I did all those things I turned out fine whereas this guy he was admitted with pneumonia was discharged on Monday and three days later ended up passing away which is yeah so, but anyway, this is the ninth Sunday after Pentecost. Um, if you could please call us together with the words of the collective prayer, and I will catch up with you after that. Good morning, everybody. Um, thank you for joining us at this podcast. We do still wait for any in inputs you want to give to improve the site and its benefits, which for me, I'm... I can tell you is um, growing all the time. So I greet you on this ninth Sunday after Pentecost for these words drawn from the Psalms. The Lord whose kingdom is an everlasting kingdom is with you. The response is on the screen. We now pray the collect together. Generous God. You nourish us with the words of life and the bread of blessing. Strengthen us to live confidently in your goodness, facing our fears and sharing our bread through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit. One God. Amen. Thank you, Father. Um, as you said, the collect and the Choice passages from the reading are in the podcast description, so you can follow along there. And our gospel this week is John chapter 6, verses 1 to 21. And this is all about the feeding of the 5,000, a story that I'm sure you are aware of. So Jesus, after meeting up with the disciples again, they were trying to have a little quiet moment, um, but the crowds kept on following them. And now there's a massive crowd and it's the Passover festival is near. And then I'm going to go to verse five. 
when he looked up and saw a large crowd coming towards him, Jesus said to Philip, where are we to buy bread for these people to eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he was going to do. So I'll put a pin in that. And then I never knew that the walking on water <laughs> happens after this. I, I always read them as two separate stories. So they feed the 5,000. And then Jesus goes to go meditate in the mountains because he's like, these people want to make me king. I'm not about that. And he's still trying. So <laughs> my understanding is he's still building up his following at this point, building up his kind of the myth around him. And then the apostles leave on the boat. They can't find him. And then they see him walking on the water. So why? Firstly, why is he testing the apostles? And then in that context, we'll talk about the walking on water. So why, why is he asking Philip this to test him? Why is John specifically saying that this is a test? Thank, thanks very much, Lindsay. Uh, let me first just start off by saying my condolences to you and your friends' circles to the loss of your, of your friend who died. And we pray for you guys and his family. Thank you. Whenever I read the word test, uh, in scripture, then it lets me think about um, the words in our Lord's Prayer, save us from the time of trial, lead us not into temptation. Um, and the thing would be, does God test us or does God tempt us? And St. James uh, in his letter talks about God tests us, but God does not tempt us. And I just wonder whether for me that would be a way in which Jesus, as the teacher, is checking out how has the disciples understood who he was and what he was about. What was his mission? Um, was he giving Philip, who was one of the first people who responded to uh, to John the Baptist pointing Jesus out as the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Was, was Philip beginning to get on board? And I, I imagined this as, as, as a ministerial experience. Where are you to buy bread for these people to eat? So somebody comes to church, somebody comes to the priest's office for counsel for something to feed their mind, their soul that is weary and drawn out. Where will we get that which they need for their sustenance, for their revival, um, um, you know, when, when they consume this, when they take this aboard? So Philip, I'm teaching you how to minister with me how to be on mission with me, what do you think should happen? I think it's a it's a it's a it's the the image of a wonderful teacher who's been allowing his students to walk alongside him in a mobile classroom. Mm. The world was their classroom. Uh, the world was the mission field of God. And in the world, how were disciples of Jesus meant to minister to people. So this, for example, says, Philip, I'm about people because I'm about God. 
Are you about people? Do you see where my focuses are? Do you recognize that in people there are needs that that the the, the depths of their soul um, uh, 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 ex exudes? And do you know how to come alongside them and to sustain them, to feed them, to grow them? So the testing was how much of what Jesus was portraying of himself through his teachings and through his ministry, uh, given that the first miracle that Jesus ever did was in the second chapter of John's gospel with the change of the water mm. into wine. So if Jesus could do that, and, and St. John's gospel is the, the book or the, or the gospel of signs. So in fact, in this passage, uh, John 6, 1 to 21, there are two of the seven signs that appear in John's gospel pointing to who Jesus is. So Philip, have you noticed, have you taken in, have you become part of who I am and what I am to the world and what will you do where there is a crisis of ministry, where the people are in need, where will you buy what you need to give them? Uh, is my training at seminary sufficient? Is it necessary for me to continuously praying and being open to the Spirit of God and reading and studying the text of Scripture and trying to understand how it is to be contextualized in uh, the current circumstances? Um, do I do I do my does my learning stop? Does my engagement with in this podcast, for example, we are exploring faith. So how much of all of this is enriching me and you and us as a congregation to be able to respond to Jesus? Where are they to buy what is needed of the people? Now, Philip's response was very interesting. He thought about the budget. Mm. <laughs> which is what we first sometimes do. We do tend to say, can we do this? But what does the budget say? Mm. Uh, as if our lives are determined by budget. Um, and then to, to say, well, it's, there's not enough. I think that's the, the main thing. Is, what who is who Jesus is and what Jesus came to bring enough for the people? Mm. And do we think ministry is about giving them something that is seeable and touchable that uh, uh, that we can say, well, I'm not sure I've given them enough now. Mm. You know, um, when 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 you when a, when a, when a parent when parents come to baptize their babies, we teach as the church that this is a part of renewal of your faith. As you stand in to take responsibility to teach your child how to live by faith in God. And we would hope that that faith is under, understood as being sustained within the worship community so that it empowers the parent to raise the child in a godlike way. But when we don't participate in the body of Christ, where, where do we get what could sustain that child's life? Um, are we robbing our children by not growing 
in the ways of God, in the mind of God, with the wisdom of God to raise our children. So when we think our child needs a specific gift or specific means to survive in this life, we are not giving them what is enough. We're giving them what we think is enough by just what we what is seeable. Mm. What is the, the deeper meaning of, of what is needed? So are we journeying with Jesus and are we noticing who he is and what he means and what he brings to the hope to 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 enable people to live by hope? A long response, I'm sorry, but no, no, that's perfect. Um <laughs> so importantly. He does ask Philip, where are we to buy? So that immediately puts Philip's mind in like, okay, this dude is asking me a budget-related question. So it's like my 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 concern is what did Jesus expect his response to be? <laughs> like it's like, no, 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 um, teacher, you have got this. I understand that you are going to work a miracle. Philip didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's being asked sure. now, like, where are we going to buy food for these people? And yet, and yet, Lindsay, we are somehow challenged to think deeper. Are we? Um, let me go back to an example you sketched from your own life. Your passion for rugby made you choose a particular school to continue an academic and rugby uh, uh, career. Mm -hmm. Something in that package you didn't know about until you appeared on the rugby field for the first time. Mm -hmm. That made you not to make you look at the present, right? Given the passion you had, look at the present, but you were also looking at the future. If I'm going to do it with these two guys who've grown in in uh, twice as big, my injuries could extend itself and I may be at a far loss. Now, what is it about the aspect of buying? It's not just a matter of going to where you buy. Where did you have to draw on from on your inside, on your experience, wide experience, when you saw that playing the game of rugby is about injury. So you had to go into your inner self to see if in the storerooms there is wisdom enough to make a choice that could have been to your detriment. Mm -hmm. um, so where, where, when, we, when we encounter Jesus, when we, so when we encounter each other, um, let me put it to you the other way around. A thing that I do from the other day, just just in a conversation about five seconds with somebody. I was doing a funeral on Sunday, on on Monday, or yeah, Monday. And one of the congregants at the graveside said to me, "Father, I haven't been in church for a very very long time, and I miss it so much." But when I heard you sharing the message, I wanted you to go on. Mm. Now, what was that saying to me about how am I storing up things? How am I noticing things and learning from them so that my 
my inner stores are filled enough, not of my stuff, but of that which God provides insight, wisdom, vision, um, knowledge, um, all of that um, to then help me to say I can draw from that and give to the needs of people. So the word buy is not shortened to an economic thing. Mm. It was a broader understanding. And then when we look at the word bread, bread is not significant only to food. It is what the whole person needs. And mm. were the disciples allowing themselves to learn that from, from, from Jesus? So what were they missing about mm. not learning? Because remember, in Mark's gospel, the disciples are not painted in a very nice picture. Mm -hmm. They are slow. They lack faith. Um, and yet God still trusts them with the mission. So Mark was hard on them. The other gospel writers was a little bit more kind to, to them. So I think it's important for us to look at this interaction with Jesus and Philip and what are we meant to learn from it? Not just for ourselves, but what? how does it make us conduits through which others are also empowered, inspired, enriched uh, in mm -hmm. their life and their faith? Okay. Well, my decision to to not play rugby at the first practice at high school um, was because the last competitive game I had played in the tournament to finish um, my primary school career, I left on a stretcher <laughs> yeah. um, with a significant injury. And the two kids who I then saw at high school were also participants in that tournament. And it just brought up a lot of those memories. And I was like, yeah, you guys ate way more pup than I did over the holiday so I'm, I'm not gonna do that so experience experience teach us <laughs> yes the pastors teach us which is what philip should also have picked up yeah but i mean philip also came from came back from him being himself empowered to go and spread the word absolutely uh, absolutely but yeah I, I i just i just find it very strange so then jesus feeds the five thousand um, or at least the, the large group, works this absolute miracle and then goes to the mountain by himself. And then I'll go to verse 16. When evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into a boat and started across the sea to Capernaum. It was now dark and Jesus had not yet come to them. The sea became rough because a strong wind was blowing. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and coming near the boat, and they were terrified. But he said to them, It is I, do not be afraid. Then they wanted to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat reached the land toward which they were going. So, I, I've said it before, for me, this is just the ultimate flex on Jesus's part. I see no purpose in this miracle other than just, I don't know, just trying to get more awe from his disciples. It's like they just saw you turn, if we take the, 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 the literal story, turn the loaves and the fish into like an amazing feast and there were still leftovers. 
Like, why did he have to put this particular cherry on the top? Well, do we know always how God comes to us? And are we able to recognize him? Remember last week's text when his own village did not want to accept him. He went to the other villages and the first thing that St. Mark says when he comes there and they recognized him. Mm. Right. And in response to the recognition, they then bring their sick and their suffering to him. Mm. So. Again and again and again, we, we are challenged. How do we discern God's coming to us? And in what moments does God comes, comes, comes to us? In the moments of our lives, how does God come to us? Um, how does God speak to us? So what is our discernment? The very area of exploration of faith, it, no matter whether there's a crisis or not, is about how do I discern the presence uh, and the and the purpose, the purposes of God and the voice and the word of God in any context? This story um, has um, significance for me in the symbolism that there is. It was dark. Now. We do know from St. Mark's Gospel, so sorry, St. John's Gospel, there's also the alternates that are given, dark and light, mm -hmm. life and death and others. So when it is dark and almost impossible to see anything uh, or recognize anything, how do we discern God in a time like that. We're living in a time of darkness right now. We, our words are continuously to vaccinate yourself, keep distances, wear the masks and so forth. Ensure that you get the message that that's the light we hang on to. But the deeper light is, let us pray. Let us care, let us show compassion. Um, so there's that, that light. So in all of the works of compassion, in care, in not being selfish about the whole thing, and in praying, we are looking for the brighter light in the darkness we're experiencing. So the second thing is the calmness and the roughness of the sea. Mm. We do know that uh, there was an understanding of the sea holding within it various creatures of destruction. Um, and when the sea was troubled, people understood that to be something is at the bottom there raging and, and raving. Um, and we know the power of water. So even though the sea they spoke about here was more a lake, it still had the, the, the dynamic of water and the presence in terms of its roughness and strong winds blowing. And what do we experience in that rough times is the terrifiedness and the fear of, of life. So now, now this obviously you use the word literally. What literally happened here? 
that is your your what's name. I'm saying that whatever literally happened, the nuances in which the story are written gives us an understanding we can draw from there mm-hmm. lessons of how we feel in rough times and in dark times, and when it seems as if Jesus had not yet come to them, God's distance from us. So in this story, a sea-like story of roughness, strong winds, darkness, for people particularly who've been on the sea more times than can be counted, Mm. because that was for them their life. Mm. Uh, In fact, somehow the shortest route to the other side was via the lake. So. In in all of this, how are we meant? Psalmist Psalm twenty three says, "Though I go through the valley of the shadow of death," and because we're so intrigued by death, I always used to read that just as death, without realizing that even before death happens, there's a shadow, mm. and when death happens, the shadow remains. What happens in all of that? Says the psalmist, "I will fear no evil." Because you are with me. If you provided for me in the good times, then you must be there for me when the times are not so good. So in all of this, in this sense of fear, in this sense of terror of the experiences they were going through, darkness, aloneness, and rough seas, how does God, how does Jesus present himself to them? And here he is in John's gospel, the word that was with God, the word that was God, and the word became flesh. And this word informs them who he is when they see this image. But he said to them, it is I. Mm. So in moments of severe confusion, remember I am there for you in ways beyond your imagination. Don't let your fear and your terrifiedness become the major um, analysis of your life. Yeah, I, I, I see that. Um, but so they were terrified of him. Well, they didn't know it was him. Yeah, they didn't recognize him. just saw this dude walking on water and then he came towards them. So like, you can, indulge me for a second, you can almost feel like Jesus was, last week we had the whole discussion about leadership, and I actually attested to the fact that Jesus had displayed superior leadership there, community leaders within the Galilee area who allowed themselves to be seduced by Herod's parties and all those things, and then took the head of of old John the Baptist. Um, very, still very upset that we didn't really, we will have an entire episode about <laughs> John the Baptist. Oh, okay, I, yeah. I think we should, I think we should. No so problem. now, as a leader, you are now doing this miracle. And again, I, I circle back and I was like, what is the purpose of this moment? It's like you, you've set them up to understand that there is great power that they have never even imagined in this world. 
like you have worked miracles in front of them. You have given them the ability to go and heal the sick. And now there's a figure walking on water towards them. Jesus is not there. This is just like gaslighting at this stage, actually, because they are already jumpy. They, they are aware of supernatural powers. So, of course, they're going to be scared. And like, I, I, I don't think this is a this is a it's, it's always bothered me that this is not a good teaching moment by Jesus. I think it's the it's one of the most profound teaching moments for me. Your child has assurance when he hears your voice. And he hears that voice coming nearer in his moment of fear and uncertainty. Mm. Then when he reflects on that, what does it bring up to him? That my daddy is aware that there's going to be moments in which I will struggle because I'm alone and I must get over the fear of being alone. But I just need his assuring voice and his assuring presence. And then daddy appears. Um, Don't worry, boy, here I am. So it's about presence and identification. So that we can learn that in all moments that God comes to us, that God is with us. Who more profoundly than Jesus could say to them, it is I. But I would put my children in the peril to teach them that I'm always going to be there. But but they will land up in peril when they will long to hear your voice and have a touch of your presence. But Jesus is putting them in the situation. It is the normal flow of life. I, I think the, we, we'll agree to disagree on this one. It's normal of, flow of life. How did things happen? He went up the mountain. We don't know. The story doesn't tell us what agreement they had as where they were going to meet. It was getting dark. They had to make a decision like you on the rugby field. Do I leave or do I go? So when they decided to leave, Jesus comes to join them. He didn't put them in that situation. We just don't know if there was any agreement of when he would come back to the shore and, and that they would have to go over the lake in such uh, a time as passed. I don't think, in other words, you are saying he set them up. Yes. So he could reveal himself. I'm saying no. The normal things of life is to say, this is how we, we, we have to make choices. This is the kind of crisis we go through or the wonderment we go through. Where in all of this is God for us? And so Jesus identifies himself as the one who comes to them, who even when they enter into the space of crisis, he is coming to them in ways that he could help them to deal with this thing called fear, which is very much within us. It's a human response Mm. that often gets Mm -hmm. us down. Um, Later on in John chapter 14, we will hear him say, um, do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. So he would move them along to the point of how the how, how this whole thing of knowing he is there for them is that we move from fear to faith. So it's teaching. 
teaching moments. How does God, only God can present God himself to us, identify himself to us. And I think it's most, most in, in crucial words of the text, it, it is I. Life doesn't stop when the five miracles, or when the miracles happened. They moved on to the next encounter. They moved on to the next experience. So if it was all about the miracles, and we would fully understand who Jesus in the miracles, then the story was finished. The story doesn't end with miracles. And many people would like us to believe that that's what faith is all about. Faith is a journey that includes all of the experiences that conjures up this whole thing of fear within us. I, 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 will, I will give you that point. Um, <laughs> that, that, that was very well articulated. Um, but yeah, I, I, I still, I, I, I see into that. Um, like my own like journey in my career and when I reach the top of my mountain and then you realize that the journey doesn't stop there. Or at least while you were climbing, you didn't realize that the overhangs and the trees and everything was protecting you from the harshness of the rain. Um, I'm just going to go down that metaphor now. Um, and then you on top and then you realize like, oh, I actually have to deal with like the directors now and they all have their own agendas and I have to balance uh, what's good for the reader versus the commercial interests versus the personal interests of the board or the CEO. And I, yeah, I, I was actually having a chat with a friend today where I was like, I'm, I'm not going to bend towards like the vanity of the people who think they are in power, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm there for a reason and that's to serve the reader and yeah, that's why I'm not in that job anymore. <laughs> but it's interesting. You see, you you have you, you. That's the journey of life. You have to move up towards the top. Yeah. But what what really matters is as you engage at the top, you still have to come back into the valley to ground what yeah. you have learned, so that those on the ground can benefit. But you are the conduit through which they will know and they will be empowered to make choices and decisions based on your willingness to climb the mountain, to be at, to be where the head is in order to be able to say, now, how does this empower those whom I'm actually going to be serving? <laughs> so this is, an, is a similar empowering experience. How will I be able to teach uh, people about the celebration of the presence of God when the going is tough mm. and people are asking stringent questions? Where is this miracle Jesus when you are going through a rough sea experience? Where, where, where was Jesus when my brother, who tried to be very faithful, got COVID and died two weeks afterwards. Where was, where was Jesus when your friend of a friend died? Does death mean he wasn't present? So now I go back and I said 
to my sister-in-law the other day, one of the ways I'm learning to deal with the whole issue of death is to look at Jesus' own death. What really happened on the cross that can help me to understand how, how I am to embrace death, deal with death, that of my own death and that of my loved one's death, and that with people that I minister to. Mm. I have no other um, model to work with but that which Jesus gives me on the cross. So how do I help people in empowering them in their own walk of life mm. when they experience the abandonment of God? Because that's how our spirits would interpret, where is God in all of this for me? And how do I help them to understand even when he doesn't seem to be there, he is there and we have to come to believe in it. Because if we don't, then we believe in our fear. We believe in what is dark amongst and that becomes the narrative that will govern our lives. But faith enables us to respond to presence that says, I'll be there for you always and I will speak into your darkness. And I will bring the light. And yes, I am the same one who caused whatever dynamic the, the miracle worked itself out. Was it the blessing of the food and the willingness of the boy to give, to share his meal? And so everybody shared of their meal. Whatever way the miracle took place, Jesus was central in all of that. Jesus saw the need and he incorporated the help of his disciples. A young boy steps forward. And everybody is well fed and they could gather up the fragrance. Mm. Why was that fragrance so important? Was it some somehow to give people who weren't there? Or was it also to sustain us in moments when it became dark and they were alone and they were at sea? That was rough. The grace of God spilling over for us to be able to have sustenance for the journey going forward. So, so for me, this is a great relevance mm. to the very people we say, as you said, I am committed to the people that I serve, and that is the, the, my readers. Mm. How do I become a, a positive conduit, given all that the top um, stresses me out on, but to give them a fair chance to understand the value of a product or to understand that this is not a very good product to have. Mm. And so that they feel empowered. So I see what's going on here is Jesus taking the disciples through these experiences to say, how will they then be the ones to whom he will minister to uh, when they are to minister when his physical presence is not there? No, when you put it that way, it does make a lot of sense. But um, <laughs> so I have in my notes here, there, there was a tying to, um, well, it was still reflecting on the, the toxic nature of this teaching, um, this specific situation. Like this is this is not a good parable um, from my perspective. <laughs> it's not a good look for Jesus. But there's also this idea of, and I, I hear it repeated so much, that God will not test you beyond your abilities. And it's like, firstly, why is it not an issue that God is testing you and your faith? Like, that's where I already closed the window 
on that whole situation. It's like, no, you that that is an abusive relationship, actually. Well, anything that's not tested won't won't have won't have access to developing their value. Yeah, but you, you don't. You, you, you do you, that with your, your children. You, you get, do that with your wife to grow them. You, but you, your testing is not harsh. It's done with grace. Exactly. But now, what if <clears throat> you land up in a terrible situation and you have this mentality with you of like, no, this is God testing. Like if you're in a, <coughs> a actual literal abusive relationship and you decide to stick it out because this is you being tested that's not a healthy that that is that is like the unhealthy side of christianity uh, does, for me. does god put us into situations or do we enter into situations along the path that we with you know have chosen or the path that meets us or the engagement of life that meets us i'm sitting here in the lounge and if i um get onto the phone with somebody now, I don't know what what I'm going to get back. So how do I meet whatever is in the encounter itself? So as I encounter life, I could go now to my bedroom. I haven't been with my wife for almost an hour. So mm-hmm. what am I to encounter when I'm going to be with her in a few seconds time? And then how do I engage that encounter? So, so, so in that, um, when we go again, you know, my my um, my re- reflection point is always Psalm twenty three. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he never says at the beginning that he goes to the place where there is fresh water and lovely grass to eat. He says God leads me there. But there is a time when he says, though I go through the valley. Mm-hmm. So is there sometimes when we enter into spaces that gets us into great challenges for our own life? And he, he gives us the, the understanding that the worst we could ever find is death. Mm. That's the worst experience we can find. Um we're living in a world where death pursues us. Paul talks about us, us being sheep going to the slaughter. Mm. That's almost how life is depicted. How are we meant to be sheep in this world, um, but with a shepherd mm. who guides us through? So, so that not even death could overcome. I will. I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff comfort me. So I draw um, enormous strength from the fact that, yes, I will I will encounter life, but I encounter it um, with faith in the living God. I don't know what I'm going to encounter. I don't know who I'm going to encounter. But whoever and what and whoever and whatever I encounter in that encounter, I need to respond. I need to relate. And what are the what are my storerooms filled with? 
to be able to encounter and respond and to be able to respond to the encounters that I will come up about. And it's possible that in an encounter I will face my death. How do I do that? Mm -hmm. uh, what's what's in my reserve to be able to do that? Um, because even there, right at the point of death when nobody knows my own struggles and I've seen people die in front of me and what what was going on with them at that at last moments, you know, um, and, and, I, and, and each one has, it was different in the way that they responded uh, to what was beyond my human understanding. Mm. Um, but again, here I, re I realize from the experience of Jesus's death, um, having started off by saying, my God, my God, why have you deserted me? Uh, to say into your hands, I commit my spirit. What, what was able, how was he able to have done that from a human perspective? Into your hands, I commend my spirit. That's the last breath. So if we were to work our way back to where we are right now, how do we grow in, in our faith and, and, and walk with God in this life's encounter and with others to be able to breathe that at the loss? Because a lot of things we breathe from our lips, some nonsense and some good stuff. But would our last words also be into your hand? I commit my spirit, whether that is said verbally or said in our hearts. What would be the last conversation we would have and with whom would it have been? I went back the other day to my to, to think about what was my last encounter with my brother. Mm -hmm. And I remembered that the last encounter with him was him talking about his family. Before I heard he had gone to a hospital. Mm. and a, a time of prayer for their healing. That was my last encounter with my brother. And so when I reflect on it, I receive a sense of hope. Mm. And again, it would have said to me, if I go backwards, how did we arrive at such a moment where our encounter could be in the gentleness of 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 pain we could speak words to one another that was about prayer in the name of jesus i don't know when i when i phoned um, my close friend to share my condolences um, and just to check in on him to see how he was doing um we shared a moment where i said that one of the greatest things that came out of our departed friend's life was the friendship I have now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I thank him for that. Yeah. Absolutely. And absolutely. Yeah. And then wow. we, we shared a little off uh, because, yeah. And, and that, that instills a level of, hope and gratitude that will be a, a strengthening to you as you go forward mm. with your life. Mm. 
Well, thank you very much, Father. Um, this has been a fascinating conversation. Um, I think I did air out all the points that I <laughs> <laughs> after my revelation. I never knew. I never knew. I mean, the Bible is one of the most studied texts on earth, and I never made the connection that yeah. the walking on water follows the feeding of the 5,000. In John's um, gospel, certainly, yeah. But uh, the, I checked up quickly just for my own references that the walking on the water appears only in three gospels. Yeah. Mark and Matthew and uh, John. Luke doesn't give that account. Mm. Interestingly enough. That is very interesting. Um, if you could please point out a few other brief points of reflection in the praise of the church. Thank you very much. This was fantastic. Thank you. Thanks very much. I appreciate you, my brother. The, the, in our singing of our praises to God, let us remember we are called to pray with thanksgiving to God as the people of God. In our prayers, we celebrate God as the one whose love surpasses all understanding. And we ask God to fill his church with his bountiful spirit, that it may make known God's glory. Also that God may transform our politics to serve God's will and advance God, God's peace. And to this Lord whose love surpasses all understanding, we are grateful for his provisions which exceeds our needs and we share in God's bounty, which is full of richness. That God in love would stretch out his hands to bless all who long for healing and release from their sufferings. And that this God of love, whose love surpasses understanding, that he may hold us in his life through the darkness of death and grief and deliver us from death to life. We pray for our land. Almachtige God, the Father van ons amal, ons vrai om die mense en leiers van hierdie land te beseel met die geest van gerechtigheid, waarheid en liefde, dat in al ons handelinge met mekaar ons mag wees dat ons samen u een is, terwille van u Seen, Jesus Christus, onse Heere. We ask God's blessings upon all who celebrate their birthdays and their wedding anniversaries and other achievements. In the time of growing pandemic around COVID, we pray and your responses, as well as the full praise on the screen. So I'm only going to read what the leader does. Author of life. COVID is humbling. There are deaths and recoveries. There is compassionate care. The vaccines are here. And compliance is needed. And we pray that we will be unselfish and seek the common good. In the healing name of Jesus, we pray. 
Sadly, violence continues to be on the front pages. And so we pray into this, Lord, you look down from heaven on humankind and find how people abuse their power and positions, men particularly of women, even as David did. These deeds are abominable and they, and they act corruptly. Please be the refuge of all sexually abused. Deliver them from these ills and restore them holistically so that they can rejoice and be glad in you through Jesus Christ our Lord. We continue to pray for the world and particularly for our continent. God bless Africa. Please guard our children. And here we think especially of the Nigerian situation where school children are often kidnapped. And I just spoke to Father Anthony, who is from Nigeria. This happens in the place where he lives. Guard our leaders and give us peace. For Jesus Christ's sake. Amen. Now, my sisters and brothers, let us go out into the world. Seek God and the wisdom of God. Hide yourself from the corruptions of power and adulation. Entrust whatever you have to Christ, for with him there will always be more than enough. And may God strengthen you in your inner beings. May Christ Jesus dwell in your hearts through faith. And may the Holy Spirit plant your roots deeply in the abundant richness of God's love. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be with you always. Amen. The final hymn is beautiful, so you can go and look at it and listen to it. To God be the glory. May this be the song you sing throughout the next week. <laughs>